Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adam. You know, on the one hand, there's no doubt that Georgia's entered a brand new stratosphere for its program, having won back-to-back national champions. Go for two in 22. We spent a year talking about that. Georgia went out and did it. They got it. Uh, they are now the back two-back dog national champions, we like to say. And you might think that there's like this whole different level of... I don't know if you'll call it achievement or whatever that's unlocked because of that. And to some degree, maybe there is. And yet here we are kind of sitting now because we do this show every single day. We're always looking ahead to whatever's next. We sort of sit in this position now of the very early stages of the offseason, right near the beginning of the calendar year with an entire, you know, years worth of preparation along the way towards the moment in which George has a chance to do all this over again. And believe me, we'll look forward in the time to come to talk about all of that. And as we're sitting here right now, even though Georgia has a much more crowded trophy case than it than it used to have, I can't help but notice that the overall conversation around Georgia this time of year, if we're only looking ahead to the future, I can't help but notice that it's actually not all that different than it would have been in the recent past. In fact, it is exactly the same. Here's the one thing you've heard me say, and some of you have probably heard me say this more than you probably care to wish to, that Championship football teams, great football teams, are always going to be made up of a collection of great players. I know that sounds like super elementary and super, you know, uh, simplistic, and maybe it is. Maybe it's overly simplistic. But but the point here is is that if you want to be a great team, you have to have a handful of like really high end top-end performers who propel your team to that. That you can't just be a bunch of good, that you've got to have a pretty good little handful of, of something that's more than that. You've got to have a good handful of great. And you can measure that in a lot of ways. You can measure that by first-team All-SEC. You can measure that by future first-run NFL draft pick. That might actually be the most effective way to measure all of this. You can measure that by, like, All-American stuff. You know, whatever designation you want to use, I think there's probably different ones that have, you know, sort of different significance there on that. But one way or another, you better have top-end performers. You can have a bunch of middle-of-the-pack players and have a, you know, top-of-the-country type team. You have to have top-end players that propel that kind of team success. And so every year, it seems, that we're asking the question at the beginning of the season, well, who are those guys going to be for George? And it sort of seems like in every single year, we find ourselves you know, at this time of the year saying, okay, there are some new guys that are going to have to emerge, that if George is going to be what it wants to be at the end of the year, there are some guys that have to emerge over the course of the year in order for that to be able to happen. And if you want to explain why it was that Georgia won a national championship in 2021, why it won a national championship in 2022, y'all, that's the story of it. Think about the way in which a guy like Devontae Wyatt kind of grew and emerged over the course of 2021. Trayvon Walker turned into the number one overall draft pick. You know, Jordan Davis is probably already a little bit of a unknown commodity, but other guys kind of raised their level of play. And as they raised their level of play, the entire Georgia team benefited from it. And then all those guys were gone, 15, you know, uh, guys out, whatever else. And so you were looking at the 2022 team, and you're like, gosh, this team on paper doesn't look anything like the 2021 team. And we would have sat here a year ago. In fact, I know that we did. We would have sat here a year ago and said, okay, Georgia can win the national championship again. Georgia can be right back in the same spot again, but there are going to have to be playmakers, stars, high-end performers emerge 
in order for that to be able to happen. And the story of last season for Georgia was the story of those players doing exactly that, growing into a bigger role, taking on more responsibility, just having more success. And throughout all of that, lo and behold, when it was all said and done, Georgia was right back uh, where it had been the previous year. So here we are looking ahead at 2023. And once again, the exact same conversation is taking place. And just because Georgia won it in 2021, just because Georgia won it in 2022, just because they have gone for two uh, in 22, if you will, just because of that, it actually does not make the task of cultivating new playmakers for 2023 any easier. It is still going to be an individual responsibility for the players who are in those roles to step up, to grow up, to thrive the way that previous players kind of did. So this is the time of year we always kind of ask the question of, well, who's that going to be? And I don't know if you're like me on this, but there's a part of this is just sort of fun, right? It's sort of fun to anticipate what the future is going to look like. It's sort of fun to anticipate who might finally ready to be ready to have their, you know, their shot. And, you know, Georgia fans like to have the debate internally amongst themselves uh, this time of year of so-and-so touts for somebody and so-and-so touts for somebody else. And listen, it may be both, but different people kind of gravitate towards different names. It just makes kind of for a, kind of a fun conversation. So let's kind of do our own part with that here a little bit today. And I'm happy to report that one of those names that has a chance to really grow into a bigger role has a chance to be one of those kind of top-end performers that makes a championship season more likely. Believe it or not, he's actually already earning buzz uh, to that regard and to that effect. Because when you think about Georgia's best players for next season, like the, the, the easiest name to give already on this is a guy like Brock Bowers. I mean, Brock Bowers is just simply put one of the best players in college football. He's been that's been true for the last couple of years. This coming up in 2023, we expect to be his last season at Georgia. And Bowers is going to get the attention he deserves. He's just one of the very best. In fact, there was a story at CBS Sports the other day. Uh, maybe it's just maybe it was just this morning. I guess I just saw it today. Maybe it just came out today. Uh, Tom Fornelli, a good writer, had his list of the 20 players that were at the top of the list for next season's NFL draft. In other words, the draft-eligible players coming back for college football in 2023. And as you might imagine, Brock Bauer's name was on that list. And on any list like this over the course of the next year, we're going to see Bowers each and every time. But there was another Georgia player uh, on this list, too. And this might be a little bit more off your radar, but it's kind of nice to see that one of the guys that could be a big contributor for Georgia next season already getting buzzed to that effect. The guy that was uh, mentioned here was cornerback Kamari Lasseter. Now, I want to show you what uh, Tom Fornelli wrote about Lasseter at uh, CBSSports.com. Uh, this is one of the 20 top draft-eligible players. So if you want to use that as a springboard here, then I guess it's easy to say that maybe somebody like Lasseter could be easily projected to be a first-round pick in next year's NFL draft, not a, a year from now. This is what Fornelli says about Lasseter. He says, Some's gonna someone will tell you that Keely Ringo wasn't the best corner on the Georgia defense this season. Kamari Laster was. Uh, Fornelli says, well, I think they're both pretty great, and Lassiter is a good bet to get even better in 2023. That's Tom Fornelli, CBS Sports, and I find that to be really interesting because this is that time of year and we start to kind of make that list up. Okay, well, who are the players who've been good? Who are the players who've contributed? Who are the players who've played a role who are now ready for an expanded role? 
who are now ready to be kind of the face of the program, who are kind of ready to be kind of the bedrock that the type of success that Georgia's enjoyed in 2021 and 2022. Uh, who, who are the players that are going to kind of be the bedrock that allows that success to continue in 2023? And here you are, we're barely into January, and you're already seeing buzz for a guy like Kamari Laster being one of those players. Now, to my eyes, I think that Laster had a really good season in 2022. I certainly think it is quite possible that he could be kind of one of those sort of top-end performers that we would say all championship teams kind of have, measured by first-team All-SEC or first-round pick, stuff like that. It certainly seems possible that Laster could be one of those guys, but you got to compile that list, right? You're going to have about a half dozen names or so on that list. Bowers is the easiest to put there. Uh, Tom Fernelli, CBS Sports, says go ahead and throw Kamari Laster on there as well, and boom, now you got two, and you just need a few more, and all of a sudden you're kind of right back there in that national championship business once again. So it seems fair to ask, well, okay, well, if that's your first couple, if it's Laster and it's, it's Bowers, well, who else now goes on this list of those sort of, you know, playmakers established bedrock members of your team that can be those kind of dominant top-end performers that the last two national championship teams from Georgia have had well this is where an ESPN.com comes in because one of the things they like to do is they're way too early college football projections they'll do their top 25s and things like that pretty much everybody does a way too early top 25 but the other day some of the ESPN writers also came out with their way too early all-American team for 2023 and a few more Georgia names kind of get added to this. Laster didn't make this list. Uh, Brock Bowers did. But you also start to see some other names on this All-American list. And all of a sudden, you get a you know, pretty good sense of who those expected top-end performers for Georgia are going to be next season. The bedrock, which could be another run towards another national championship. This is what ESPN had there on that. Connor Riley had a good story about this at DogNation.com the other day. We'll talk to Connor more about this here in a moment. So Bowers on the list, as we said. Jamon Dumas-Johnson, no surprise there, the linebacker. Mikael Williams is on there as well. And I think Williams is certainly a very interesting player uh, for this upcoming season, especially how he concluded this year being such a pivotal player in the national championship game. And then Malachi Starks as well. So all of a sudden you add Dumas-Johnson, Mikael Williams, Malachi Starks to the list that we're going to say already has Kamari Laster and Brock Bowers. And all of a sudden you're like at five right there. You haven't even gotten into what a guy like Amarius Mims can be for your offensive line, what the Georgia starting quarterback could be, depending on whoever that ends up being, and uh, what you might do at the wide receiver position, and on and on you go. Uh, all, all of a sudden, the point, though, is is that you're starting to put a list together of who those sort of best expected high-end, top-end performers could be. And when you start to see – who's already in place here and when you start to see who's ready to take that next step and the exciting growth that could happen for some of these players and especially those that are moving kind of from like first year to second year in the program all of a sudden that excitement that anticipation of what could happen in 2023 does really start to build that that last year Georgia faced the questions of well how do you replace all your loss from 2021 and Georgia showed you they were more than capable of doing that maybe there'll be fewer people wondering if that's even possible this year just because of how emphatically Georgia answered that question but it doesn't mean the task isn't still a challenging one, and it doesn't mean that a lot won't be required of the players who see themselves in expanded roles. But the fact that we've already got such a nice list growing gives you an idea that uh, Georgia very much in the same conversation to begin this year that it was the last couple of years, right there in the mix for potentially another national championship. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, we start at 945 on dognation.com and on 
the Dog Nation app for our first and 15. And no matter how you join us via video, we're just happy to have you on that. Or maybe you'll join us on the radio. App and Sports Radio 960 Ref every day at noon. We appreciate that. Or as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, a lot of different ways for you to get in touch with our program. And we're just thankful you choose one of them and use it. And you're a part of what we do here each and every day. Really, really appreciate that. Also, great thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making all of this possible there as well. You know, they're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily, which we're incredibly grateful for. And they're also proud partners of UGA there, too. So it's fun to do business with those that support the dogs. We're certainly grateful when you do business with those who've helped support us. But also, I recommend Engineered Solutions of Georgia because they are a great name to know when you, as a homeowner, are potentially dealing with a very serious situation. I'm about foundation, waterproofing issues. You know, we've had a little bit of rain here as of late. And when that rain shows up, maybe you see evidence of water where it's not supposed to be, wet spot in your garage, dampness down in your crawl space, or just find out standing water down in your basement. I've heard some horror stories of people who come back from vacation. You walk down there and boom, uh, you got all that water down there in the basement, whatever else. Well, that's... Yeah, potentially, uh, you know, obviously something to be very, very concerned about. But that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia wants to step up and help you with and help you on. Uh, or if you have those cracks in your wall, signs of a foundation issue. Listen, Engineered Solutions of Georgia has an entire team of engineers on staff working to solve your problem and working to protect the structural integrity of your home. They understand how serious this is for you. And nobody else in our market can say they have that kind of resource you know, strength dedicated to your problems. So give them a call. They are a solutions-based company. The word solutions right there in their name. 678-ESOG now. That is 678-ESOG now. Proud partners of UGA, longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily, and a great, great uh, resource for you. If you've got foundation, if you've got waterproofing issues, check out Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. All right, we're going to get Jake Fromm here coming up in a little bit. That's going to be a fun conversation today. I'm going to talk about with Jake about what's next for Georgia at the quarterback position as a new competition uh, takes place. But before that, uh, speaking of the quarterback spot, uh, let's go around the doghouse presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And yesterday, uh, the most recent Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett, had a really cool honor. He was named as the winner of the Manning Award. Now, there's a lot of awards that go out there for the best quarterback in college football, different you know uh, booster clubs and things like that give out those awards. The thing that makes the Manning Award special, and it was obviously a, a fitting win for Stetson Bennett because of this, it is the only quarterback award that takes into consideration your postseason performance. And obviously, uh, Stetson Bennett certainly took his game to another level during the postseason, and so that is why he won the Manning Award. And so if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, you can actually watch the full press conference that uh, Stetson did with Archie Manning on behalf of the Manning Award. The Manning Award is given out via like the Sugar Bowl Committee, too. It's all kind of based out of New Orleans. So Manning's name's on it. It's the Sugar Bowl Committee kind of gives that out. And it's a nice 20-minute press conference. Uh, Stetson obviously had, you know, a a lot to say. I, I think it's worth going back and just sort of hearing all of this. I'm going to play a little bit of the audio for you on this, but I don't have time to play everything that was meaningful from this press conference. He kind of talked about his sort of, you know, feelings about playing his last game at Georgia and what he'll remember about his time at UGA. And so it's worth your time to kind of go back and hear this, but I did want to let you hear a couple of things in particular, because as we're kind of talking about what's next for Georgia and yesterday, you know, we talked about the return of Cedric Von Prong Granger and what that means for the Georgia offensive line. As Bennett reminded folks yesterday when he won this Manning Award, that part of the reason why he was able to win the award is because of how effective his offensive line was for him all season long. This actually led to kind of a funny remark from Archie Manning, who you'll hear here. 
Uh, but good stuff from Stetson Bennett on exactly why it was that he was in a position to even win an award like this. This is Stetson from yesterday. Obviously couldn't couldn't be here without my teammates. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I got sacked nine times this year. So uh, it's, it's easy to throw the ball whenever you're not picking yourself up off the ground. And uh, I think we had the greatest offensive line. I beat I beat that in one game in Chicago one day. I got I got sacked eleven times one game. Hey, so in uh, one game, you should, be, you should be very proud of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So um, you know, Coach Searles, uh, Coach Monk, uh, getting the uh, the play calls uh, right, and then and you know the, the, those dudes up front, uh, as you know. Um, they don't get the glory. They don't get any of that stuff, but they do it because they love the team. And, uh, you know, they uh, they are leaders of this one, um, you know, uh, and, and we whenever we went, we went because of them. Um, yeah, so I think that's really good stuff from Stetson Bennett there on the subject of an offensive line that was just a dominant performer for you, Jay, here this year. And I think you give Stacey Sarrell some credit for that. I think you give the players who played there some credit. We talked earlier about, you know, kind of stepping up and emerging. Think about Broderick Jones. You know, last year he stepped up in the national championship game, played really well, and then you kind of spent the offseason wondering, okay, well, is he ready to kind of anchor an offensive line? Is he ready to be kind of the focal point at that left tackle position? And he proved to you there he absolutely was. And the result of a guy like Bennett only being sacked nine times, the very funny line from Archie Manning, I got sacked more than that one game uh, back when I played for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but it just sort of speaks to the overall success that the Georgia offensive line was able to have for Bennett and the entirety of that offense here this year. And then beyond that, obviously one of the things we know for 2023 is is that one of those key important pieces is coming back. A guy we spent a lot of time talking about yesterday, Cedric Von Prine Granger. Well, Bennett was asked directly yesterday – how much does Van Prons return as the center? How much does that also not just benefit the offensive line, but a transitioning quarterback? Bennett's time at UGA is done. George going to have a new starter next season. How much easier is that transition knowing that a guy like Van Prons is back manning the middle of that offensive line at the center position again? Once again, here's good stuff from Stetson Bennett on that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be um, – I mean, Seth is that constant, right? He's that. He's the, he's the consistent – um, he doesn't, he doesn't get hurt. He, he doesn't do anything. He, he plays every single play and every single snap and he wants to, he loves football. Um, you know, and I don't know if he loves his teammates or football more, um, which is, you know, that that's special, especially whenever it's, it's that position, which, uh, you know, like I said earlier, they don't get the credit that they deserve. They don't get, um, you know, uh, the credit they deserve. And so Bassett doesn't care about that because he loves football and he loves his teammates and he's really good at it. Um, and so, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, he's going to help uh, whoever, you know, Carson, Brock, Gunner, um, he's going to help an extreme amount uh, just with, if nothing more than the comfort level, um, you know, because he's been there. He's been in the biggest stage, been <laughs> in the biggest games, and um, he's performed, and, <laughs> and he knows what it's like to be a leader. And he was that leader for us this year. And, uh, you know, even more so this this coming up here, I imagine he um, he knows that, hey, if we're going to do this again, we got to do it right. And so uh, I have no doubt that he will. I'm sure Stetson's probably saying, B.A., as someone who's dealt with your own cough the last couple of days, you couldn't edit my coughing out on that. Sorry, I apologize to Stetson for not editing out the uh, cough there on that clip. But I think that what he says about uh, Cedric Von Prahn is, is so well stated that 
if anybody understands what's at stake to come back for a chance to win a third national championship and you start to make a list of well, how many of the guys can really say they have all three of those championships well obviously Van Praan would be one of the key guys in the middle of all of that when you think about that I mean obviously Van Praan understands the weight of that what's going to be required and that's a really really valuable thing to bring there to a UGA just in general at the offensive line but in the quarterback spot in particular that there is something to be said for the talent that a quarterback has being tested in a different kind of way once you're in a football field and things are moving a little bit faster and you're kind of playing a little bit different portion of the game than you used to play in and you know finding some comfort how quickly you can uh gain that comfort is going to go a long way in determining how successful you can be and whatever sense of security you get from anything around you is going to be mad is going to matter and obviously having a guy like van prime there to kind of calm it down to 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 you know, at least you have to, don't have to worry about the ball being delivered to you, right? That, that you know that's going to come the way that it's supposed to be. I mean, I think that Stetson does a really good job of laying out just how valuable Cedric Von Prong Granger's return is going to be uh, for Georgia here this upcoming season. So congratulations to Stet for winning the Manning Award and uh, kind of a nice press conference to hear from him one more time, I guess kind of before we would say that his time there at UGA is now officially done as he walks away a winner of a quarterback award, the only one that takes the postseason performance into account. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And, of course, I'm excited about a vacation coming up here uh, pretty soon. And as many of you have travel coming up here in 2023, you have plans for all of that. Make sure you take that Georgia's own credit union visa signature platinum card with you when you're out there doing those things because when you're, you know, paying for dinner or traveling around or you know buying clothes to to do fun things here in this new year the stuff that you're already doing is actually even made more enjoyable when you get ready to use one of those visa signature and platinum cards from our friends at georgia's own credit union because you get all kinds of you know great benefits they uh they, they can be used for uh cash back or travel or merchandise or so much more you also can get up to 150 dollars just for opening up one of these accounts there are some restrictions that apply so some things to check out so make sure you uh, take a look at all that online go to georgia's own.org for more details on that that's Georgia's own.org for more details on all of that. Great to have Georgia's own credit union with us for Around the Doghouse here today. All right, as I told you, before we are done, we're going to have a very fun conversation. Speaking of quarterbacks, we'll get more in-depth with a lot of this with uh, Jake Fromm about what it's going to be like in the kind of early stages of this year for the next Georgia starting quarterback, be it Carson Beck, who's kind of the backup this year, one of those younger guys who try to make a name for themselves there as well. How do you do that this time of year? What's this portion of the calendar calendar like for the quarterbacks? We'll let Jake Fromm tell us more about that. We'll also talk here coming up about a uh, an Alabama coach that appears to be on his way out of Tuscaloosa. Second big departure off that coaching staff. This is all part of Nick Saban's master plan. We'll try to figure that out and kind of what does that mean, I guess, for the uh, Crimson Tide and <sighs> – not even in their comparison against Georgia, but in their fight just to qualify to play Georgia, something they were not able to do here this past season. So we'll talk about that there as well. And we will also get into now everything kind of what we let off the show with about, hey, the next transition to the next great crop of Georgia players, guys that um, are going to step up big for the dogs. You're already starting to hear some predictions about who that's going to be and what that's going to all be about so let's get ready to hear more about that. We're going to welcome in Connor Riley as we do each and every week. Connor said some great stuff at uh, dognation.com over the course of the uh, last couple of days. Uh, we've also had some fun video conversations as of late reacting to the news as it's dropped. 
with the uh, Cedric Von Prahn stuff and everything else that's out there. So we're going to do all of that here right now with him. And of course, glad to have all of you with us on Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to have Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily today. As I said, Connor also did a great job yesterday covering the uh, Manning Award. It's that's a minute one. Got a chance to hear some interesting stuff from Stet there after that. Um, Connor, I thought it was kind of an interesting way to kind of put a bow on the, on the, the Bennett career here at UGA. We played some audio of him answering the question that you asked about Cedric Von Prong Granger's return, but also, you know, his, you know, respect for his offensive line, but also to kind of hear him talk about, you know, how meaningful it was to kind of realize that national championship game was the last chance for all those guys to be together. Um, you, you, you certainly could tell that meant a lot to him. And I was actually kind of not happy to hear that he was able to spend some time in recent days kind of just sort of contemplating all of that. That's the kind of thing that most players will say they're not doing during the season. But after the season, I mean, I, I would say I hope they do stop and, and, and take some time to appreciate what it was they were able to accomplish. And I certainly got the impression yesterday that Stetson had done that. Yeah, I did not have Stetson Bennett pegged as a uh, Martin Scorsese, big fan, uh, big fan of the band uh, with the last waltz reference that he made there. Sure. But I, I think it speaks to, you know, I mean, again, those first couple days right after the national championship, I mean, you and I can even attest to it's such a whirlwind. You know, you're traveling across country. You're still taking in the fact that Georgia just won its second straight national championship. And so, you know, when Stetson was asked on the celebration stage that Saturday, uh, in Sanford Stadium to, to sort of recount all his memories. You know, that, that's, that's hard to do in that point, just given it all been so fresh. So I, I think the fact that we heard from him yesterday and what he had to say, I, I think speaks largely to his Georgia experience and, and the reflection that he had back on both his relationship with Georgia, with the players, with the coaches, with the fans there as well. Uh, I think he took a much more holistic view of his time at Georgia, and I know some people weren't thrilled with how he conducted himself at the parade. But, again, I, I, I'm more than willing to give Stetson a pass for that, just given you know the whirlwind nature of it all. And I think when you step back and look at the comments that he had yesterday, I think they're much more representative of his time and how he truly feels about all that he did as a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, I thought he did a nice job yesterday. I would really invite folks, if they missed it, to check out the Dog Nation YouTube. It's about 20 minutes long. It's worth your time. Look, I mean, you want to consume content that kind of celebrates that national championship. I thought Bennett yesterday was – was was certainly a, a great example of that and I guess the other thing I kind of came away with from this conversation uh, Connor is is wondering even though we've obviously given credit to the Georgia offensive line I think a lot of us think they should have won the Joe Moore award were they even a bigger part of the success this season than maybe even I've you know fully given them credit for and fully acknowledged them for obviously as Bennett talked about hey a big reason why I'm here is the fact that I was only sacked nine times and obviously Archie Manning had the funny response to all of that but Connor, do you think that there's a chance that the the overall story of the Georgia offensive line this year was even a bigger factor in why they were able to go 15-0 and than they've been given credit for? Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of people hold that 2018, even that 2017 offensive line in high regard, just given, you know, how quickly it had been flipped and the talent on that line. But, you know, Roger Jones is going to be a first-round pick. Warren McClendon is going to go play NFL football next year, and you bring back guys in Cedric Von Prahn, Tate Ratley, who are NFL players, Xavier Truss, who started a lot of games for Georgia. Uh, Amarius Mims has maybe a high ceiling as anyone that played on the offensive line this year. And, and then, you know, obviously Devin Willick was a guy who played a big role on this team. You know, when Warren Erickson, a guy who started the national championship game the year before for you, 
is your eighth best offensive lineman. I think it speaks to just the talent that is in that room there, there for this past season. And, and, and the numbers back that up as well. Nine sacks given up, that is the fewest ever in a 15-game season. They led the country in rushing touchdowns with 44. It was statistically the most, the, the, the highest scoring offense that Kirby Smart had had and the best in terms of yardage per game. And I think the big reason why and in, in where this offense got to where it was this year was the improvement that this offensive line made from 2021 to 2022. And I think the strides that this group made – not just you know year over year, but even within the course of the season. I mean, I remember sitting next to you in the Missouri game, and Georgia was really struggling in the first three quarters of that game. And when the game turned, it was because the offensive line came together and figured out how to start blocking Missouri and clearing paths and clearing holes that ultimately led to touchdowns for Georgia. And from really that Missouri game on, I thought they really just mowed down opposing teams and you know looked no further than the national championship game. You know, Michigan very publicly won the Joe Moore Award this year. They gave up four sacks at TCU. TCU didn't touch Stetson Bennett. They had zero sacks in that game, and I think that offensive line speaks to why the Georgia offense was as successful as it was this season. So what I talked about at the top of the program, this is something I talk about every year, Connor, that, that championship teams, if Georgia's going to be one again in 2023, going to have those top-end performers, you know, future first-round picks, first-team All-SEC, All-American type guys, and – I think we're already starting to see a little bit of that list form for Georgia for next season. I talked about some buzz that Kamari Laster got from a CBS writer, or, you know, I know you've written about the guys on the preseason All-American list uh, from ESPN. You know, interesting to see a guy like Javon Bullard not, I guess, on that list, and that's, I think, probably a guy that's already one of Georgia's, you know, better players. Maybe a guy like Bear Alexander, some of our commenters in our audience have kind of pointed out to before, maybe he's kind of a part of that there as well. I guess what I'm asking, though, is, is that do you think it's easier now – to find those guys in the preseason maybe it appeared to be before the start of the 2021 or the start of the 2022 season because if you want to go back to Georgia's last two national championship teams in the preseason you couldn't necessarily say for sure oh this guy's a surefire first round pick some of those guys became that over the course of the season or this guy's a surefire you know first team all SEC or whatever a lot of that's kind of emerged for Georgia during the year do you see more established credentials for some of those kind of top-end performers uh, going into this year than maybe we're used to seeing over the course of the last couple of years for Georgia? I don't necessarily know if it's established credentials, but I think the national media is maybe now more willing to give Georgia yeah. the benefit of the doubt Could in be. that sense. You know, like Amarius Mims, I think, is going to be a first-round pick this time next year, uh, but he's only started two games at this point in time. But I think by the time we get around to the all uh, preseason All-SEC team, like Mims is going to be a first-round selection there. Obviously, Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country. Cedric Lampon is the best center in the country. So you feel good with what you have there. I think Keely or Kamari Lasseter is now going to sort of get the benefit of the doubt of, oh, he's Georgia's you know number one cornerback. You've seen what they've had in that position in recent years. Darian Kendrick, Keely Ringo, even going back a little bit further. Uh, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, the talent that they've had at that position. If this guy is good enough to carry that mantle, he's probably good enough to be an All-SEC and potentially a high draft pick player there. So I think there's a nice mix of, you know, guys that have gotten the bump thanks to past success at this Georgia team, along with the fact that they just, when you have really high recruited guys, that's going to naturally lead to more people believing that they're good. You know, Michael Williams is a guy who's probably going to show up on a few all American teams for next season. And he's a guy who granted only had four and a half sacks this season, but had sacks in both playoff games. It was pretty impressive as he closed out his freshman year there. So I think it's a mix of, you know, it just speaks to where the talent is on this Georgia roster. But now the fact that Georgia has proven that it can consistently win and reload its talent 
uh, that these players are going to start getting the benefit of the doubt the way, say, Alabama and Ohio State players have in years past. I also think it's going to be really inter- interesting to see how it emerges at some of the, what I would think of as like the premium positions. Obviously, quarterback's an example of that. That's going to be really important. But also, like, if we assume that, you know, wh- whichever tackle spot that Marius Mims doesn't start at, that's a premium position. How well does the guy we would presume, maybe Ernest Green, you know, how well does he emerge there? I think you got to have it with a defensive line because, honestly, you know, th- that's the one thing that sort of separates the best of the SEC, even the rest of college football, is the talent along the defensive line. Do you have one of those big-time star players pop at defensive line and at edge rusher this year in a way that maybe you didn't have in 2022? That's an opportunity as well. To me, what's interesting about the playmakers, the star players, the however you want to describe them for Georgia, it's how many of those guys emerge or what I would think of as kind of the premium positions. I think that also sort of speaks to just how clear of a path that Georgia maybe has to another like championship type season based on what happens at some of those kind of premium spots. I'll say this about the defensive line because I, I went through, did depth chart uh, this weekend, both offensive and defensive. Jalen Carter is really the only player of consequence they lose from this mm-hmm. offensive line. And so you bring back Zion Logue, Nas Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, uh, Tremel Waltower, all guys who have played a ton of snaps for you before. And so you have a both veteran group and, and, and a group of bodies that you can comfortably rotate in there. And then you have the high upside guys like a Michael Williams, like a Bear Alexander, guys that we've seen make plays this season and have the ability to make more plays as they grow into their bodies more, as they become more accustomed to the college football life. Not to mention, you know, Christian Miller is, I think, a player that people are interested in seeing what he does. Jordan Hall is a guy that I think is going to come in and compete for snaps right away as he's already on campus. And then, you know, Jamal Jarrett, you know, everyone compared him to Jordan Davis 2.0. Obviously, he's dealing with a foot injury right now, and, you know, getting his weight under control is going to be something that he's going to have to deal with throughout the entirety of his career. But with that type of body type that he has, he's going to be able to find his way on the field if he's able to get himself in playing shape because Georgia doesn't have another player like him. And I think like we saw with Jordan Davis way back when he was a freshman in 2018, if you have that kind of body type and are able to have an impact on Georgia's run defense, they have no issue throwing you out there for a down or two and clogging things up there. And so I think with this defensive line, you know, obviously I think the big keys are going to be can Michael and can Bear Alexander maximize their potential in year two? But this chance, this defensive line this year has a chance to be every bit as good as that 2021 unit was. But I think a lot of it is ultimately going to come down to how Michael Williams performs and how Bear Alexander grows into sort of that Jalen Carter role that we saw him fill these last two seasons. So since you bring up those depth charts, I want to kind of finish with that conversation here and doing some of that kind of stuff. Listen, I, I can't get that soon enough, right? I'm, I'm already into some of this kind of stuff. I think it's really, really fun. What jumped out at you as you were kind of, I guess, sort of rough drafting some of this kind of stuff in terms of position battles are going to be interesting, you know, depth chart stuff that kind of already stands out. What's interesting about that right now in your eyes? Yeah, I think the two things that really caught my eye on this is, one, the edge rusher position, especially if Marvin Jones Jr. ends up missing time this offseason, like I think a lot of us expect him to, given he's had a shoulder injury since he showed up. At Georgia this past fall, you know, what does that position group look like? Because it's really just Chaz Chambliss and then a bunch of guys we don't know a whole lot about. You know, maybe you can put Jalen Walker there because I think Jalen Walker is a guy that's talented enough to where he needs to be on the field, whether it be at that inside linebacker position or as an edge rusher. And then with Cedric Von Prahn coming back, I think the hardest guy that Georgia has to replace is Chris Smith. And there's not a logical replacement there, but I think Georgia can get creative. You know, maybe you move Javon Bullard 
to that safety spot. I think he's got the ability to do that, and maybe that allows you to play Smoke Bowie at that star spot, or vice versa, keep Javon Bullard at that spot, star spot where we saw him make a lot of plays in the college football playoffs, and then maybe have Smoke Bowie step in at that safety spot. I'll be interested, because there are obviously, obviously a lot of options that they can go with the safety. Dan Jackson, David Daniel Susana, uh, Janola Aguero is a player a lot of people are interested in seeing how he comes in and plays right away, so I think that safety spot is the one where, you know, I'm not going to say it's a concern for Georgia, but I'll be very interested in seeing what they end up doing opposite Malachi Starks when they have to go about replacing Chris Smith. Yeah, I think that Smoke Bowie's a really interesting name in a lot of this because, I mean, obviously this is a very talented player, and clearly when you a school like Georgia goes out and gets a guy like this in the transfer portal, they do so with intent to use him. And yet the sense that I get is, is that, man, he has potentially – I, I mean, he's obviously a very versatile type player, and it just sort of seems a little bit mysterious about exactly how, what his best fit for Georgia uh, could possibly be. I mean, you know, when you look a little bit deeper at Bowie, you know, you know, I, I guess kind of you give me some more thoughts on how you think a, a school like Georgia can use him. Well, yeah, I, he's a guy, you know, I know Kirby has said and people have said that he, he can play all three spots. I don't think he's going to be a cornerback for this team. But, you know, I can't help but wonder if he just – Chooses to sign with Georgia originally instead of instead of you know going to Texas A&M. Are we looking at him as a much more surefire starter this year than wondering where exactly he might be lining up? And maybe that's a lesson going forward for future players because I think Georgia always sort of had a plan for Bowie. I believe they're going to probably try him at star, and I think at first they're going to maybe move Javon Bullard to that safety spot, see what you can get out of him there, maybe give him some more responsibilities as he enters his third year at Georgia here, knowing that, hey, if, if Bullard can't quite handle that safety spot, you know you can move him back to star, and you still keep one of your better defenders on the field. And so with Bowie, the big thing is going to be, you know, how quickly does he get up to speed? Does he cause any distractions or struggles at all? Because, uh, you know, this is sort of a second chance for him coming in from Texas A&M, where he did not have a great first year in college football, and I think he probably knows that he's on a very short leash here at Georgia. And so with that, he's got to be on his best if he's going to make an impact right away because Georgia does bring back Tyke Smith at that star position. Marcus Washington Jr. is a guy I think that could potentially play snaps for them if he takes steps in his development for them this year. So, you know, Bowie's an interesting player, as you point out, but he's really got to put everything he can into this because I do think he's talented enough to get on the field, but it's not going to be like walking in and grabbing a starting job like you see some transfer players do. I think he's absolutely going to have to go out there and earn it, and that's not going to be an easy thing to do for a guy who, this is his first few weeks, months in this very tough and rigid Georgia football program that we've heard multiple people say isn't for everyone. Let me just squeeze this in really quick. This is not something I had planned to ask, but I probably need to. Uh, Bill O'Brien looks like he's about to become the Patriots offensive coordinator here. Uh, That's the name that's been kind of mentioned in concert with Todd Monken, but as we said on Friday, it seems like everybody knew, worst kept seeing the world was, O'Brien wanted an NFL job, maybe felt like he needed one, maybe worn out his welcome in Tuscaloosa. In the case of Todd Munkin, it hasn't been, hasn't been quite as clear about maybe what he wants. Any additional chatter on this out here uh, about you know the, the Tampa Bay Bucks opening, how Todd Munkin might fit into that? Any new buzz coming out of that at all, Connor? No, not really. And the thing to keep in mind with NFL coaching searches is that those are a lot more public and that teams will put that information out there freely. And so we'll know if and when Todd Munkin does interview for a, a, an offensive coordinator job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I believe as it stands right now, there are now seven offensive coordinator openings with, with Bill O'Brien going to be the New England Patriots offensive coordinator. 
Uh, and so we'll see how those get filled out. You know, Thomas Brown, a name a lot of Georgia fans know, former running backs coach here and former alum, uh, he is interviewed for multiple offensive coordinator jobs with the uh, Washington Commanders and Los Angeles Chargers there. So these roles are going to fill up fast. And right now, from, from my reading of it, Tampa Bay is still the only team that has really mentioned Munkin as a possible option there. And the fact that he still, at least publicly, has not interviewed yet, and I do believe that would get out, given you know Tom Brady and the circus that seems to be following Tampa right now. Uh, I do think that if he interviewed, that would be out there. And the fact that he hasn't, it I does speak to the fact that maybe we do ultimately end up seeing him back at Georgia, which, as, as I sit here on, what, January 24th, I do believe that Todd Munkin will be back at Georgia next season. But obviously there's still a long way to go, and he could ultimately you know, end up being blown away by an NFL opportunity. Uh, Connor, really thorough answer. Appreciate that. Good to have you on the uh, program today. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And, of course, Connor, one of two guests in the show today. We'll catch up with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here coming up in just a moment. We'll have a, a fun time talking to Jake here. Before that, though, we're going to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, you know it is uh, showtime go time. We are getting down to the absolute crunch time on that second-ever cruise with Dog Nation. We're going to be leaving out of Port Canaveral on April 24th. We're going to be going to a perfect day, Coco Cay, that wonderful private island right there in the Bahamas. And listen, I would say that if you're just kind of first getting acquainted with Royal Caribbean, that may be the thing you want to start with right there in terms of what makes it a different kind of experience. Or uh, for those of you who've maybe, you know, mostly taken land-based vacations in the past, why you might want to really investigate what Royal Caribbean's all about here. Look at the fun things that you can do on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship when you go to Perfect Day Coco Cay. It's a private island in the Bahamas. The only people who get to go there, this is like an like this sort of like oasis. It's, it's this this magical thing. The only people who get to go to this private island are those that are on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. It's, it's exclusive benefit for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So many of the itineraries that Royal Caribbean sort of sails with. That includes a stop off at a perfect day, Coco Cay, and that's going to be our Dog Nation cruise as well. So people are getting excited about it. We are so, so thrilled to have you on board there for that. In fact, there may be sort of limited final opportunity to get involved here. Jessica Slater, great travel agent. She can help you with that. You can give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also check out a website that Jessica has made specifically for our Dog Nation cruise. It's called RoyalDogs.com. That is RoyalDogs.com. You can get the information there. You can get everything you need uh, for this great, great experience, the second-ever cruise with Dog Nation this upcoming spring. We want you there. We want you to be a part of it. And I want you to explore your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation for you, your family, your friends, everything else. I know my family, we're really looking forward to a great cruise here coming up in really just a few weeks' time now. We feel like we kind of need a vacation, and we're ready for it. And obviously, we're thrilled to be doing that with Royal Caribbean. So, hopefully, you have that great experience for yourself there as well. All right, let's transition now. Let's talk about cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. As we were saying with Connor Riley a moment ago, you have a number of reports out there that looks like Bill O'Brien is set to kind of return to New England and be offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick there once again. Now, the read that you get on this is is that, hey, maybe he feels like he needs to go to New England. Maybe he feels like he needs to go back to the NFL. Not to say he won't be successful there. It's obviously a former NFL head coach. So clearly, you know, you know, being a coordinator in this league is the kind of thing that he probably feels like he can, you know, once again do successfully. But maybe he feels like he needs to make that move because it's maybe just the worst kept secret out there that that uh, Nick Saban has just sort of grown tired of this offense and not happy with that. I mean, I think one of the things it speaks to here is is that 
a lot of the success that Alabama has had in recent years has really kind of been coordinator dependent. And to, to Saban's credit, you know, when he hired Lane Kiffin at the start of the 2014 season, that was obviously a big change for Nick. And he's so proud of himself for his willingness to change and adapt and learn new tricks, things like that. But really, it was what happened after that that I thought was more interesting because it, it seemed like the Alabama offensive success, you know, if anything, not only did not dip, but if anything, it may have in, in, increased because, you know, Saban proved himself to be a pretty good hire of talent. You know, Brian Dables, head coach of the NFL now, uh, that was a guy that ran this offense in 2018. You know, identifying Steve Sarkeesian, Michael Oxley, who's now head coach at Maryland. You know, Saban made a series of good offensive coordinator hires that allowed this team to be really what it decided it wanted to be, which was kind of a finesse-oriented passing offense, less about defense, less about running the football. That's where Saban thought the sport was going. And he had coordinators that he was able to outsource some of that coaching responsibility to, and they were able to kind of instill all of that in there. But when you don't have a coach at the level, I would say Steve Sarkeesian was probably the best of the play callers that Alabama had, you know, in this recent era. Uh, when you don't have a coach that quite operates at that same level, and I don't believe that, uh, that Bill O'Brien has ever come close to matching that, well, then all of a sudden Alabama having the same feel that it used to have, well, all of a sudden that becomes a little bit hard to do. And I would say that even this year when you had a guy like Will Anderson on defense and a guy like uh, Bryce Young as your quarterback, I still think the Young – you know, this sensational quarterback, even though guys like Caleb Williams got more attention. I, I, I still think that Bryce Young is a sensational, sensational quarterback. Um, but the point is, even with that, like, sort of star type, you know, talent offense and defense, those sort of household names, guys there, it almost seemed like Alabama was just sort of missing a little bit of an identity, missing a little bit of a defining characteristic. And I think the 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 inability of a peak holding on defense and a, and a uh, you know, a, a uh, Bill O'Brien on offense kind of put their stamp on this team there from that situation. I think that sort of explains, you know, kind of why maybe they're looking for new homes right now or why they've kind of found new homes right now is because I'm just not really quite sure what kind of stamp they put on this team here uh, for this past season. And when you start to look ahead of the future, I think the new Alabama offensive coordinator steps into kind of an interesting role because here's the one thing you also kind of have going on right now. You have a lot of uncertainty about who you're quarterback's going to be for this upcoming season and i'm not quite so sure that the uh, alabama rival in the sec west their chief competition the team that actually won the division this year lsu i'm not quite so sure that lsu doesn't have two quarterbacks right now with nussmeyer and jane daniels who are better than anything that alabama has on its roster now we may find out that alabama's got a really good quarterback like ty simpson waiting the wings or something like that but i don't know that jalen milrow feels like that guy right now so look Alabama is obviously still a formidable program and they're going to still mount a serious challenge in the SEC West, you would assume here for 2023. But you would also assume that this offseason feels a little bit different than some in Tuscaloosa have felt like. This feels like a, a, a period of transition. And just given what has happened to Alabama in recent years, it can't be quite so obvious that Alabama is going to handle that transition the way you once assumed they possibly would. This is very much a season, an offseason to watch. What happens there with the Crimson Tide should be interesting to see. I finally finished with this. I saw where Jacob Hood, uh, the former Georgia uh, offensive lineman, is also now become, I guess, what, the third dog to uh, land with Nebraska. We had some commenters earlier in the comment section that said, you got to start calling the corn dogs from now on because uh, you've got three former Georgia players now on this uh, Nebraska roster right there in the middle of corn cu country with the uh, corn huskers. So uh, that's pretty funny stuff. And obviously, if you're. Uh, if you're starting a brand new, you know, coaching regime there in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, I guess the uh, worst thing you could do, not the worst thing you could do, is seeing how many of former dogs you can populate on your roster. 
as a way of uh, maybe kind of filling out your overall talent level. So maybe that's a smart thing there uh, for Nebraska to do at the uh, start of a brand new coaching regime. So I guess uh, congratulations to Jacob Hood on finding a new home there on that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we'll also get ready, as I said before, to talk to former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here on uh, all of this. We'll get into the subject of Georgia's own offseason and what's going to happen specifically maybe at the quarterback position with a guy who's uh, so good about talking about all of this. It is Jake Fromm here now, a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily today. Jake, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us. Hope you're doing well. Hey, Brandon. Yes, sir. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. So I guess before we get anything else, let's talk about your situation here for a little bit. How's your offseason going? Obviously kind of finishing up uh, a year with the commanders there, looking ahead to the future. Kind of what's on your horizon uh, here right now, and uh, I guess how would you evaluate your time with Washington here this year? Yeah, uh, Washington was great. Um, Finished up uh, really well and on a good standing. Uh, Signed a futures contract there going into next year. So excited about OTAs and um, right now, just kind of getting back home to Athens. Me and my wife have a house here. Um, just kind of knocking out some things around the house, trying to shoot a few ducks before duck season goes out. And, go. uh, yeah, just trying to have some fun, enjoy a little bit of off time. Now, I hope you do get a chance to enjoy that, Jake, because I know that's uh, an important thing for sure. As far as the Georgia situation goes, you know, it's an interesting time in the fact that for a guy like Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandegrift, they're all going to try to compete to become the starting quarterback of this team. And obviously spring practice is a big part of that. But the sense that I get, not having been a player, but just kind of following this from afar a little bit, the sense that I get is is that there's also a real opportunity right now to earn the faith and trust. Maybe it's coaches, maybe it's the fellow teammates. What's a quarterback's job right now, especially for one who wants to kind of make a name for himself as a potential starter? What's a quarterback's job like this time of year as a way of kind of taking that reign of leadership before spring practice even begins? Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's time to go to work. Um, you know, they have these winter workouts um, coming up here soon. Uh, and, and for them, it's, it's a lot about getting in shape and, um, you know, getting their bodies ready. But really, it's a lot about mental toughness. It's about finding who the leaders are uh, on the team, who's going to step up and be the guy and, uh, it's a great opportunity for uh, for Carson, uh, for Brock, and for Gunner, um, even to to show up and say, "Hey, I, I want to be the guy. This is my my team. I'm going to grab it by the reins and." Uh, I want to drive this boat. So it's a great opportunity for those guys. When you uh, first arrived at Georgia, the sense that I think we all got was is that you kind of became pretty comfortable with this pretty fast. And I'm always kind of fascinated by that because. I mean, you've just been in high school, and I mean, obviously, you know, you have self-confidence as an athlete and things like that, but it's still a, a much different thing to kind of step onto a college campus and feel comfortable enough in your own skin to kind of do the things that an SEC quarterback's asked to do. Kirby obviously gave you a good bit of praise there in like that first summer, even before the season began, the, as a guy that was kind of pushing for playing time and some doing some things like that. How was it that you were able to kind of make that transition and just be comfortable becoming a, a college player so quickly with the additional responsibilities or kind of ask, ask you know, from a quarterback? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I was very confident in, in my abilities and I knew what, what I was good at. Um, I was confident in how I worked. Um, and I think guys fed on that. You know, I want to be able to be as close to the line. I want to be confident, but I want to be as close to the line of cocky uh, as I can be with being on the confident side. Uh, I think guys respect work. I think guys respect uh, being authentic. Um, and that, that's what I was, and that's what I think it's going to take uh, for, for whoever wants to be the guy at quarterback is going to have to be, be real, be authentic, be willing to work, be willing to put in extra work. 
Um, I think guys are going to feed off that. It seems like, too, and I, I think this is what you're saying, that you know, if, if you tried to fake that, if you tried to like put on an air that's yep. maybe not Don't authentic, people would just see right through it, right? Oh, man, they, they see right through it. Um, and, and really, it, it does even worse for you um, than just being real and being who you are. Um, and I, I think that, that speaks for football, speaks for being a quarterback, uh, speaks for in, in life in general as well. One of the guys that's been in kind of the news here a little bit lately is Todd Munkin. There's some, uh, you know, some maybe discussion out there of would a guy like this one go back to the NFL? You know, is that something he'd be have interest in? Some of the NFL reporters have kind of mentioned his name. What do you think makes Todd Munkin Munkin? And as someone that's kind of still around the program from time to time and obviously knows the position, knows the offense, what impresses you about what Todd Munkin does on kind of a day in day out basis in terms of how he orchestrates this offense? Yeah, I mean, he has a, a, a ton of experience in the league um, and being able to bring those ideas, the way they play around with the formations and personnel and those kind of concepts, um, bringing them into the college level. Um, and, and what they did um, at Georgia and on the offensive side of ball was just incredible. You know, you have weapons, but when you can utilize your weapons and get the most out of them um, in any given situation, I think that's what it, it really – takes you a step it, it differentiates you um as a coordinator say hey it, you know every offense is going to have a weapon or two um but how can i get the most out of my weapons and i think that's what he did best was getting the most out of those guys um and being able to change it up week to week uh, about who's going to get the football um and be able to see the weaknesses on each team uh and go after it one of the other things that's been kind of talked about here a little bit lately is we found out that a Georgia wide receiver, former Georgia wide receiver, A.D. Mitchell, now going to Texas. And this is one of those things, Jake, where I think a lot of fans sometimes, they're not quite really quite so sure how they want to feel about this. On the one hand, you're obviously really thankful for a guy like Mitchell who has uh, contributed a lot to the program. You know, big catch yep. against Ohio State, big catch against Alabama. Yep. On the other hand, for some fans, it's one of those deals where, hey, you know, uh, transfer portal and maybe NIL, something like that, it's kind of – to their eyes, sort of threatening the sport they feel like they know and uh, and have loved for a long time. How do you process that? Obviously, you kind of played uh, in kind of the precursor to all of this, but how do you kind of process the fact that a guy like you know AD could win a national championship here and then kind of go bolt and go play for Texas right after that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Uh, it's just, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it's just kind of the, the life we live now. That's just college football. It's just the way it is now. Um, and it's, it's tough, and it, it does take a, a kind of a little bit out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I understand. I think he has a family there in Texas, um, and obviously some of the NIL stuff uh, helps too as well. So, hey, look, you know, we understand. Obviously, hate to have him go, um, but, you know, from my perspective, I can, I can understand it. Uh, but, obviously, uh, I would love to have him here, contributing here. Uh, he's done a lot for our program and and made a big time play when it when it really was needed, um, and so he he will be remembered and respected for that as well. It's a Kroger fresh take with uh, Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And by the way, speaking of Kroger, they get all kinds of fan favorites coming up for all your football watching stuff as we kind of head to the end of the uh, pro football season here you can shop uh, your local Kroger for home uh, chef chicken wings game decorated cupcakes veggie trays and so much more as you might imagine I'm a little bit more into the cupcakes and the wings and the veggie tray but nonetheless whatever you're into Kroger's got you on all of that check out Kroger.com slash football for more on that Kroger.com slash football for more on that Jake we'll finish with this we heard Stetson Bennett a little earlier talking about how valuable it's going to be for Georgia next season to have Cedric Von Prine Granger coming back at the center position as a quarterback yourself 
Uh, how nice would it be for you to know that if I'm a brand new starter stepping in for the first time, I've got a center who's been, you know, probably the best in the country multiple years now, coming back for his final year as as a a big leader but also a great security blanket right there in front of me snapping the football how valuable is that for whoever the georgia starting quarterback turns out to be look that is huge that is a a big time asset that you have um in your back pocket that's a guy who can take something off your plate uh, i had something very similar in my situation when i came in i had a um an experienced guy lamont galliard playing center for yeah. for me knew the offense knew it well and um it really helps kind of take something off your plate uh, as a, a fresh and a new quarterback when you're worried about so many different things like, hey, uh, did the guys line up right? Where's the play clock? Wait a minute, what's the play here? Uh, what's the situation? And so you're just, you're just thinking about so many things that didn't come quite as quick to you, uh, and that's going to be a huge help for whoever is back there uh, taking snaps. I think that's really well said, Jake. We're glad to have you back in Athens. Hope you get a chance to enjoy a little bit of time off, and uh, we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you next week too. Yes, sir. I look forward to it. Thank you, Brandon. Good stuff there, Jake Fromm, as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. Also, before we get ready to wrap up today's show, too, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Discover, Dunwoody. You know, uh, there's all kinds of things going on from time to time where you kind of want to be, you know, you got, you know, meeting space going on, you got, you know, opportunities to sort of get folks together. Well, when you think about, you know, some of the places that you want to be and be a part, I want you to think about our friends at uh, Discover, Dunwoody here, a great, great spot for some great, great hotels and a, a really convenient location to get you uh, close to businesses from Buckhead to Alpharetta because, listen, you know, the the uh, Discover Dunwoody area, the, the Dunwoody area in which we're, uh, our studios are located and so many of these great Dunwoody hotels are located, very, uh, you know, close access to like the Dunwoody Marta Station, Sandy Spring Station is not too far away from here, but also uh, great uh, shopping, great restaurants. So if you've got business going on in the Atlanta area where you need to be in Buckhead or you need to be in Alfred or something like that, but you want somewhere kind of fun to stay where you can go shopping, have a great meal, have a great experience right here in this Dunwoody area. It's a great place to know family friendly environment. Uh, you know, fun to kind of walk around at night, you know, fun to try out some restaurants, you know, really, really comfortable, nice hotels, convenient access to two different Mars stations, just a great place to be when you need to be in the Atlanta area for business. I want you to think about the Dunwoody area as a way to do that. So here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to discover Dunwoody.com slash dog nation. That's discover Dunwoody.com slash dog nation. And of course, uh, discover Dunwoody thrilled about coach Martin, the entire dog national championship team from this past year from UGA. So they're thrilled about that. They're a big part of the entire go for two and 22 uh, season that we have, but also a great resource for you as you're making your business travel plans here in 2023 in the Atlanta area. Think about Dunwoody, discover Dunwoody.com convenient to wherever you need to be for whatever business you need to get done. So make sure you check them out today. Discover Dunwoody.com slash dog nation. Check that out today. All right, a couple of uh, good golden shoes to wrap things up for us here today. I'll start with the first one. Our buddy Hayes Calloway uh, sent this in. And um, so I think one of these prizes may be better than the other. So I'll start with one on the left. He says, uh, going back to 2017, we had an event called Dog Nation uh, in uh, Vay. No, sorry, Dog Nation Appreciation. And so one of the things they did for fun was they made those big blowups of like uh, some of our faces, including mine. And so Hayes says, I was lucky enough to get one of your cutout heads, the Dog Nation Appreciation in 2017. Now, what's sad to note is, is that cutout head on Hayes' wall, there's actual size. That's actually how big my face and head are. So uh, that's a troubling thing to consider, uh, but funny nonetheless. I'm glad to see that Hayes has had a good time with all that. That's really good to see. And great collection of those, some of those frame photos from people there that night. But also about the new picture frame, the back two back Dog National Champions. Love to see that. 
uh, Hayes, that's really, really good stuff. So we'll give you a golden shoe there as well. You've already got that framed on your wall. One more to give out there as well, too. I thought this was really funny there as well. Obviously, Florida, the uh, embarrassing situation, not able to come up with the money for Jaden Rashada. Joshua Campbell making fun of that, saying, Sunbelt Billy's talking to Jaden Rashada about the NIL. He says, we ain't got no cash in it. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, unfortunately, that's the situation with the Florida Gators these days. Uh, Joshua Campbell having some fun at Billy Napier's expense. We'd love to see that. So Josh will give you a golden shoe there as well. And then our, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, how about a Gatorator countdown? 277 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now for the RS Andrews Podcast. Cool now. Take your comments here uh, on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or the comment section at dognation.com. Of course, good to be back doing the cool down again after uh, a couple things seem to sort of keep getting in the way, but uh, we're happy to be back doing that again. Uh, Mitt302 writes in to say with the uh, Ra Ra Thomas situation, do you think that Dominic Blaylock might have a change of heart and come back to UGA from the portal like Amarius Mims did? Well, it's important to keep in mind here that as Mitt is fully aware of, and most of you are probably aware of too, is that entering the portal does not, by rule, prohibit you from going back to the school in which you came. And as Kirby said, they're going to treat some of these portal situations on a kind of a case-by-case basis. So, you know, uh, some guys that go in, they may say, hey, you know, thanks for your time here. We'll wish you well with your new stop. Other guys may go in and, you know, Georgia may obviously try to re-recruit them back. As uh, Mitt points out, that's exactly what happened to Marius Mims last year. I guess many years ago, that also happened with like a Robert Beal too. Uh, you know, that the, they wanted to transfer and Georgia just convinced them to stay. So it's not obvious yet, I guess, which are these categories that Blaylock is in. He has not found his home there yet on that. One thing we know about Dom is Dom is obviously a well-respected guy. And this is obviously a super talented player who I, th- I think career Georgia would have gone very differently, if not for just a couple of really tough injuries that he's dealt with. And so I don't know where that leaves Blake. Now, I also you know, want to point out here is that, you know, there's only so much speculating I'm comfortable doing as it relates to the Ra-Ra Thomas situation because this is one of those things where, I mean, I just don't have any idea how that's going to play out yet. Uh, obviously, there are serious allegations uh, against him, and I'm, we're kind of letting the legal process play out on that. So I so I'm not really quite comfortable speculating yet one way or another on Thomas. And I don't mind speculating on the Blaylock thing. I guess I still think it's probably more likely that he goes somewhere else. But um, but the fact that some Georgia fans would hope that he would reconsider, I think, speaks to the to the level of fandom that that folks had for Blaylock and how much they he was appreciated while he was at UGA. And I think I think people have fond memories of him no matter what. Um, because of just the kind of guy he was while he's been a part of this UGA program. So we will leave that there as a part of our podcast cool down for today. I invite you, if you want to participate, you want to kind of share your thoughts. We have done this on video for a long time. We do this on podcast here too. And uh, I'm more than happy to kind of try to answer your questions about whatever issue, whatever topic. Uh, I may not have a good answer. I may not know the answer, but I'll do my best to try to give an answer. So uh, we'll do that each and every day here as part of our podcast, Cool Down. It's brought to you by our friends at R.S. Andrews. Find them online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price is promised. Your water heater goes out. In many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So y'all find them online at rsandrews.com. And then we'll come back talk to you tomorrow right back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll see you then, everybody.